Hey, it's Lisa Cordoff. Welcome to the podcast where you can expect inspiring, raw, energizing, and transformative conversations with people on the path of personal evolution. I'm here to really live my life. And if you are too, these conversations are just for you. I'm really glad you're here. Enjoy. I'm so excited to kick off our stories of change that will be featured on the podcast here on Conversations um, over the next little while. Ongoing, I think, because I don't know about you, but you know what I really like more than anything else is examples of, of women who are living their life in ways that they didn't even think were possible in themselves. I love hearing stories about it. I love hearing where they came from. I love seeing myself amongst it. I love um, the lessons and the insights that come from conversations with people who have created some sort of change for themselves that's made their life better. And, you know, it's really, really nuts, but how often these changes are actually extend out way beyond them as a person. The ripple effects are huge. Today, you're going to meet Emma Gilmore, who was a part of the very first round of Ready for Change. And when you hear about where she was in her life in 2019 and where she is now, it is going to help you see that really you can do the scariest things and be okay and even thrive. Emma's work that she's doing now in the world, she moved from being a corporate marketing guru um, to, well, she's going to tell you all about what she is doing now. That's a direct result of her saying no more to the things that weren't working for her and taking a big, big leap and starting to follow what actually felt good. She definitely got to a crisis point in her life and it was sort of soon after that that she found Ready for Change. And um, that program, you'll hear the stories, the things that she was telling herself that she, you know, busted through in order to be able to create this life that she's living right now, which means she's a completely different mum to her children and uh, might have cried when she was telling one of the stories um, in this interview. But I think you're going to love her. I think the work that she's doing in the world when you hear about it is so important right now. And I, for one, am super glad that she ended up facing down and calling bullshit on a lot of the reasons that she was telling herself the beliefs that she had about why she couldn't go forth and do things that really mattered to her. She's really inspiring. And I think today you are going to learn a lot from Emma Gilmore. Here's the conversation. Hey, Emma. Hello. <laughs> this is exciting. <laughs> this actually feels like a long time in the making, this, mm. this chat. Um, because I know you've, I think you've put yourself out there to be on the podcast before, just yeah. in terms of, of the work that you're doing with women. And I love that what we'll get to do today is 
really share your story of change. And I just know the incredible ripple effect that your story being out in the world is going to have. So thank you for putting up your hand to say yes to when I was like, Here's, where's some ready for changes? Let's tell some awesome stories about what's possible. Because I think, you know, especially at the moment with where the world is at, mm. it, feel, it can feel like things out there take precedence over yeah. the, the things that are inside. And I always come back to um, that the world can get very, very crazy. And we are, we are humans. We're not robots. We're impacted mm-hmm. by it all. But there's things within us that we can control and we can work on that can actually give us a beautiful feeling of peace. And, in fact, and I want to ask you about what happened just a few weeks ago um, for you where you Mm. got to put that in action. But first of all, Emma, do you want to just tell everyone, like, so what you do right now, let's just give them a sense of of that and then we're going to take them right back to where things were at in 2019. Mm, Yeah, so I am now a qualified counsellor, psychotherapist and I am a This Naked Mind and grey area drinking alcohol coach. So I work with women who are finding that booze isn't serving them anymore and they want to see what will open up for them if they chose to either cut down or to stop drinking altogether. It's just (laughs) such important work to be doing. Now, three years ago, would you have imagined that this would be what you were doing? Where were you at, like, 2018, 2019? 2018, 2019 was a really tough time for me. I was working for a big corporate company and I was totally uh, running on empty. I was um, doing all the things, working full time, working running to daycare to pick my kids up from and barely making it half the time and then being told off. (laughs) I was literally existing on caffeine and adrenaline and trying to be all the things, phone calls in the middle of the night because I was working for a global company, breastfeeding, trying to get my kids to sleep, all this stuff. And it felt really stressful really stressful and then I ended up in a very toxic work situation and I think because I had been so I I would call it brittle Mm. I was so kind of out of juice Mm. Um, I just broke I just I just couldn't couldn't manage it I couldn't bounce back from it and I think a little bit to do with my age as well I was a little bit in that I'm actually not going to put up with it either. Yeah. So those two things came together. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) To create the perfect storm. (laughs) Yeah. So I ended up getting, I was full of anxiety. I was having panic attacks. I ended up leaving my work and knowing that by doing so, I was leaving my career forever because it's a very small town, Melbourne. And, uh, yeah, I think putting your hand up and saying you can't cope 
in the corporate world is or certainly was not on at all with blacklist wow really still this day and age it's uh, there's a lot of talk good talk uh about mental health but the reality of it is uh it's quite different you're either doing your job well or you're not doing your job and for sure business has to have business has to keep going and I guess I suppose if you think about it from their perspective if you were going to employ somebody and you phoned up someone and was like oh off the record mate how was that person working for you well they had a bit of a breakdown (laughs) and you've got to choose that one or the one who didn't yeah yeah (laughs) yeah I've just never been a part of that corporate machine and and I use the word machine because sometimes like from the outside looking in it's like a chair it's just like these clogs of it and it just has to keep going keep going keep going and humans get kind of spat out either end and it's like is is this working for anybody even although I mean I know that some people do love it but so okay so you'd come to this point where you were like and this no more and then yeah, so this isn't working. <laughs> this is not working. I can't do this anymore. And then, so was it at that point was ready for change after? So yeah, so I basically was. I was a bit of a mess. I was really. I, I like I said, I kind of had to build myself up again, and I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know who I was. Mm. I had no idea who am I. Yes. I've worked in marketing all my life in corporate marketing, and I'm like, who are, who am I? Identity. No idea. Yes. And then I saw, I must have, I must have been following you or something and some ad came over or something came up about Ready for Change. And I was like, oh, she's talking to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know when it's it's the thing. Yeah. People often say that. They're just like, are you, did you write that? <laughs> are you in my head? Like, no, there's just a few of us out there who've been at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was, and I remember talking to my friend about, I was like, oh, should I do this? I don't know if I should do this. I've not got a job. Where am I going? And I had got some money from that company that was like a little bonus or something from what the year before. I was like, I'm going to use that money to do this. And I was like, I'm not going to tell anyone. <laughs> Just going to do it. <laughs> and then I joined the program. It's the first online program I've ever joined. Wow. Yeah. And um, it just shifted everything for me. Um, I just connected with the people. I thought you were wonderful. I, the messages were just like, whoa, 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 whoa. I did the values work that you do as part of the course, and that just blew my mind. Because you, like, you didn't know what your values were? Not at all. Or? And I'm like, my values are not working in corporate marketing, churning out plastic or confectionery. That is not oh God. in line with no. my values at all. <laughs> but yet I've got hung up on this whole idea of myself as this corporate, you know, I was very proud of what I was. and But also seeking validation, you know, externally all the time, you know, choose me, choose me, am I okay, am I okay? And yes. then you're suddenly learning your value my values were I think my top my core value was personal growth 
And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Personal growth, adventure, magic, you know, all these beautiful things. Yes. (laughs) It is kind of a mind-blowing thing that we are living these lives and so much of the time we don't even know why they're feeling off or why we're, and and that values, that, that, I mean, there's so many different ways to figure out your values, but that particular way that I teach in Ready for Change, I think it kind of takes you out of your mind. It takes Mm -hmm. you out of trying to think just logically through it and gives you a different way to do it. And then when you see them there, (laughs) it's like, well, now I know why this relationship doesn't kind of align or this particular routine or oh my god adventure is my top my core value yeah and I haven't been feeding that at all and then there's such simple ways that you can start to bring this in I mean I I just I, I love that but tell me I mean Obviously, that program is really about uncovering what's below the surface that's mm-hmm. stopping you instead of the things that we we think might be stopping us. So yeah. what were some of those, you know, we call them stories, those subconscious stories yeah. that you started to realise, oh, maybe this is the thing. Yes. Yeah. So I had a whole heap in there and they were mainly to do with, other people yeah oh yeah (laughs) that old that old chestnut yeah because it's everyone else's fault that you can't have what you want isn't it if only they would change exactly (laughs) and it's so interesting how actually completely untrue all of those thoughts and beliefs that I had were and actually, by like a lot of them, I had my poor husband as being like this, like, oh, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be able to deal with that at all. He wouldn't cope. Because <laughs> my heart, my thing was I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to step out and be an entrepreneur and run my own business. That's what I thought I wanted to do, but I just thought there's no way I ever could. And I'd always, I had this identity as a person who you know, and I'd often say it, but in the same way that I remember I was laughing about this because about childbirth, I remember saying, I am always going to take all the drugs and I'm going to do all the things. And then when I had my first baby, I did that. My second baby, I had a home birth. And it's so interesting how you have these ideas about what you're going to be and what you're going to do. And then actually something in your deep inner knowing starts telling you that's actually not going to be the right thing for me. Mm. And it was similar with this. It's like, that whole idea of you've got all these ideas that things are a certain way and you're literally seeing the world through these glasses. Yeah. And then it turns out that actually that's absolute bullshit and you can 100% do all of these things. And the person I thought who was going to stop me was my husband actually supported me through every decision even you know going on and investing in in the rest of uh, my journey which I would never have thought in a million years that he would do Um, but things around like somebody like me um, can't run my own business somebody like me like me can't manage my taxes somebody like me can't and how are we ever going to afford it and what's going to happen and all these kind of stories 
kicked to the, to the curb. Well, yeah. <laughs> and but this is the thing, and and I think the process that we take people through in Ready for Change is to help them, like help you actually see it as false and so then if it is and if it's not true well then what do I want to create here what is possible for me so tell me at what point all the stories about um because I know you know like the booze thing started to to come in tell me about how that was also starting to to play out for you did ready for change spark that like what I'm telling myself about yeah alcohol might not be true or was it already a journey you'd already started to open up to it with your breakdown I think I had started to realize there was a problem and I had started because once I left my work my drinking escalated because I was I was really not in a good place and I was using it as a coping mechanism um but I think Initially, with Ready for Change, the two other pieces in Ready for Change that really um, set me on this path were the kind of meditation and, and vision, visioning, vision, visioning what my future could look like. Yeah. So I started along this track of, oh, I want to help people in some way and I love learning about the brain and how things work. Um, and I particularly loved learning about thoughts and beliefs and how you can um, change and often that the thoughts and beliefs that we carry are just nonsense from society from ourselves growing up as little people um, and I found all that really really interesting so ready for change kind of got me on the journey of I think I want to so I, I know I remember deciding I wanted to do a, a master's in counseling and I did that and then I wanted to I wanted to work with young people and mental health initially and mm. so I went and then I decided I probably wouldn't, wasn't the right person just to work with young people in mental health because I wasn't probably on their wavelength as much being that I'm nearly 50. And so <laughs> I decided instead to um, train as um, someone to work with parents, which was kind of mm. the beginning of the journey. So I trained in tuning into teens, which I'm actually, this is so fortuitous tonight, I'm going to be a facilitator for my first ever tuning into teens meeting here locally I know right and that was in I was just looking at my journal from ready for change and it's like uh trained to be a facilitator for tuning into teens (laughs) and you're just ticking it off you are just ticking it off and then as I was going through all that I kind of I kind of realized that something was still not right for me Hmm. and Funnily enough, then I saw another ad for an online course, which was Annie Grace's This Naked Mind um, Alcohol Experiment, which was all about changing your thoughts and beliefs around alcohol. So there was a whole load of other stuff like learning, learning kind of the science and 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 um, and learning the kind of you know how your emotions affect what you do and your behaviors and learning how to manage cravings and all that kind of stuff. But the core, core message in there is that our thoughts and beliefs around yeah. alcohol are actually bullshit also. Mm. <laughs> and so the, one of the very first things that um, I did when I was on that program was wrote down a list of all the things that I loved about alcohol. And so I had on there, I love the taste of wine. I can't imagine having a meal out with somebody without drinking 
I can't imagine my identity, very similarly to the work I did with you, what do I, I, I can't imagine my identity if I'm not a marketer, corporate marketer. It was like, I can't imagine my identity if I'm not a drinker. Who am I? Like, I literally, that's all I do. I, I, everything I do revolves around drinking. I don't have any, I used to have rum every morning and I used to think that was like, because I ran every morning, I was like super... <laughs> <laughs> healthy and then I drink two bottles of wine of an evening <laughs> but I still get up beautiful thing isn't it <laughs> yeah I'd still get up and run every morning <laughs> yeah oh, <laughs> but yeah so basically the program that I did with Annie Grace was busting through stories so I'm like oh my gosh I've learned to bust through stories with Lisa then I've tried doing my counseling course now I'm busting through stories around alcohol you know I I, I and also it was kind of in the process of, of busting through some of those stories, like like the things like I'm fun and fun people drink. And I'm like, okay, so is that really true? Is that really true? So when I'm passed out in the back garden and we've got friends round, is that is that fun? When my kids come out to the garden and they want to do a performance for us and we're sat drinking and we don't want to watch them because we want to carry on drinking, is that fun? Well, yeah. You know? Um, and just uh, there's so many things like that. And I think for me, when I, just busting through those stories, like am I ever going to have a good social life? Um, how, what are my friends going to think of me? And, you know, we go through, go through and you're like, actually, most of my true friends are so supportive of what I'm doing. And those that aren't, they've, you know, they, we've, we're kind of not friends in the first place because why would a friend want you to carry on doing something that harms you? Right. And I'm sorry, um, I mean, I follow you on Instagram. Your life looks very fun, can I just say, like all of the fun things that you do. That's right. It's My life is so much more fun. <laughs> now I'm not having to plan everything around alcohol. It was like I remember going to people's houses. We'd be like, okay, so we'll get the train there so we don't have to drive back. <laughs> Don't have to the car. Like even going to the cinema, I'd be like, okay, well, I want to drink cinema. So even though I was going to watch like, I don't know, The Greatest Showman (laughs) with my children, I'd still polish off a bottle of champagne there and think that was perfectly normal. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Now you look back. Um do you, I mean, because I think that. When we're in it, we have oh, yeah. normalised certain things. Totally. And that's in, in everything in our lives. It's actually quite, it's quite an extraordinary human trait for us to be able to normalise and, and cope through and live through what is actually quite exceptional yeah. circumstances. I mean, yeah. you just even think about what's going on in Ukraine at the moment and suddenly it's yeah. like oh no this weekend we're not catching up with friends at that birthday party we're actually just going to go and we're going to gather some things and I'll meet you down at that checkpoint because we're going to yeah. try and do a human shield 
And you know it's bizarre, but you're doing it yeah. because it, yeah. we start to we can quite quickly normalize things. That's right. Um, and I mean, I know for me, um, watching on as someone, as obviously Nick was going further and further and further down his path with alcohol, it was um, it was like a slow burn. And there were absolute moments where you think that's a line in the sand or that's a rock bottom or yeah. that's a something. Um, yeah. but, but I know I had also normalised a level of drinking that really yeah. wasn't normal. Yeah. And so in the work that you do now with women, um, I'm just really curious to know <laughs> but this is got, yeah, just because I'm quite genuinely curious and because I just think you would be such a warm hug on the other side of someone realising, hang on, I think I've got to do something about this here. You know, I can't imagine someone better to to work with than you because you're amazing. Um, do you think that more people are not waiting for a, a rock bottom or a really big line in the sand moment, do you think that there's a different growing awareness that what has been created at the moment is a, a level of normalised drinking in our country in particular uh, that people are now just starting to realise isn't normal? Yeah, I think so. I think... <sighs> People, I think that it's become a lot more, I mean, not drinking's become much more part of the conversation, hasn't it? And so I think people are a lot more willing because there's so, still so much shame and embarrassment around oh, drinking. It's just it's terrible. It's really sad. It's really sad because it prevents so many of us from having the conversations we need to have and from just knowing that the problem is not us, that it's an addictive substance and it does things to our bodies that and our brains that mean that we want more of it every time we have a drink. And right. it's what I think once people start to understand that and it starts to become part of the narrative and we get rid of some of the really horrible ways that we talk about othering people who have become addicted to an addictive substance it's becoming more and more normalized I think for people to seek help and guidance and it's almost becoming part of a health conversation because as well finally we're getting that sort of um we're getting the evidence-based research that's actually being shared in yes um communities saying that you know there is actually nothing and I'm not an anti anti drinking person at all. I think you know you know the risks. You make your choices, but for um, where where often you don't know the risks because we don't talk about the risks. That uh, mm. I think people do need to see that, and I think that's becoming more of a conversation. So it's becoming more socially acceptable for people to reach out and get help, and just to start talking to their friends about it. Yes. I and I, it's why I would always take the opportunity to have a conversation about it because of the the shame that is out there. I mean, I don't know if I if I ever told you, but Nick and I 
was start started a, a documentary about his recovery journey. Um, wow. I just we started to just yeah he was because we just I just we just kept on thinking if this is happening to us then this is happening to a lot more people and you're a good amazing <laughs> clever loving creative human who's dealing with this thing and has found himself in this situation this is not this is like even for me when when people started to use the word alcoholic I mean talk about stories that we've created about things talk about and I kept on saying like he didn't like that word I didn't necessarily like that word because of the things that we had kind of um well, because of stories about what that yeah. would mean for someone. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I just kept on thinking, like, that's not our life. Like, no. what? Hang on. Not you. Not me. But, and, I mean, this was back in, in 2017 was really when it all hit off. Mm-hmm. But for a few years before that, it was like trying to, um, trying to really have him see that this this was a problem that needed to be spoken about. And I think even just in the last few years of pandemic and people being alone in their homes and yeah. um, starting to really recognise things were maybe out of their control, that that's been probably a, a reason for them to have a conversation or yeah. reach out or try an intervention at, yeah. at some point. Yeah. but. I can imagine all of the stories that they have to actually come through in order to be able to get to the point where they're reaching out to someone like you. That's right. It's huge. It's huge, isn't it? It's huge. Yes. It's like even, I know this is going to sound funny, but like testimonials, if I I have a client and we have a really good um, relationship, and completely understandably because of the way society is it's quite hard to get a testimonial not because people haven't or it has to be anonymous and then people are like oh who's this person with all these anonymous testimonials (laughs) but it's because society judges oh oh, I just love that you're out there doing this work I mean how so how do you feel really aligned and purposeful like what's changed for you for that person who was broken by the corporate machine who was drinking too much to feel healthy um like who is 2022 emma yeah like 2022 emma has i just feel so incredibly grateful to have been on this journey and lisa i always say that ready for the change was the start of all of this because it really was and so I feel so privileged to sit here and talk to you about this because it's amazing um but 2022 Emma is a really happy happy person inside um because not because life's always good and happy and upbeat but because I know now that I have my own back that I have the resources within me to look after myself, to nurture myself, to love myself enough to try to make the right decisions for myself all the time, you know. Not all the time, you know. 
So tell me how that played out. I mean, it just makes me so happy to hear that that's how you feel. I mean, it's the holy grail, right? Um, So how did that play out a few weeks ago? Yeah, so it was it was really interesting. So my little daughter, who's eleven, has really struggled through um, COVID with anxiety, and I think COVID gave her the opportunity to reach into her, herself. Who you know, she's quite um, she enjoys her own company and she likes to be quiet. And I think prior to COVID, because she had to go to school, she had to go there, put on a put on a show and be, you know, all the things. And she never for a moment questioned whether or not she would do that. And then, of course, COVID come along and she sank into herself and she became very isolated and very depressed. And um, when we came back to the new normal, she struggled to get to school. So she was struggling with anxiety and she really struggled to get to school. And then things just got worse and worse and worse. And she was in a really bad place a couple of weeks ago. And it was really scary for us all because it was me and my elder child and um, and my youngest. And we were in a situation where it just felt like I didn't know what the next thing to do was, next right thing. She was just so distressed. She wasn't talking. and She was really... Um, untouchable and then she said the magic words which were I really want to speak to somebody mom I really want to speak to somebody and it was 10 o'clock at night and I'm like what the hell do we do <laughs> she wants to speak to someone now. <laughs> let's make this happen how do we do that Gosh. so we all bundled into the car and I took it to the Royal Children's thinking that was the only thing I could think to do and um she was crying in the back my eldest daughter was crying in the back she was talking about um, self-harm um suicide sorry uh she was talking about having thoughts about suicide and um it was really intense and I remember driving along and feeling terrified and feeling so frightened that my baby was struggling I couldn't seem to help her um my sorry it's gonna um I couldn't seem to help her I was scared of what was going to happen when we went to hospital I was worried that people would think that you know, that our fa- there was something wrong with our family, that we had done something to her. Or I didn't know what to think. I just knew that the, the next right thing was to go to the hospital. And, and I remember reaching inside me, and this is what all this work to me is, has been so powerful, is that it allows us to, other people, have, you know, even our kids at their darkest, darkest times, having their own experiences and we we get to we and they are able to separate ourselves a little bit from that experience and be the adult you know be the adult in the room so I can comfort my own self 
and I remember driving along saying to myself, it's going to be okay, Emma, you're going to be all right. So I'm comforting my little Emma, who's going, oh, I'm going to be frightened. And, and at the same time, I'm going to go in and I'm going to be the mum and I'm going to be mature. And if she doesn't want me in the room while she's talking, that's going to be okay because it's not about me, it's about her. And I can comfort my inner child. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just crying hearing this story, but yeah, uh, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a big, a big moment. But it was interesting. It was so interesting to just be able to go, okay, this isn't about you. Mm. This, this person can have their own experience, and you are still you. You are still the person within your skin. And in order to be the parent in the room, you need to be able to manage yourself and comfort yourself and look after yourself and love yourself too. And then ensure that we've got all those kind of like self-care pieces in place to support yourself outside of that. But we went through the process and, look, it's still a work in progress. We're still not 100% there, but we've accessed the right places and we're in the wait lists, you know, for all the resources that we need to be. And I feel like we are, and I, I would by no means say that I'm doing this perfectly, I'm really not, but I do feel that not drinking and not having drunk and having done the work that I've done post and during Ready for Change are the things that are making it possible for me to show up as my best self. It's really amazing. <laughs> I I know you're you're like, don't I, I'm not doing the best job, but mm. I think that that's a, exceptional. And um, isn't it the truth that we don't escape life being hard and throwing us all sorts of curveballs and pain and all of those things, but the knowing that you have in yourself, that you can carry yourself through these things, that you can come back to a place within yourself that feels solid even amongst the storm must be so amazing and mm. and to think that we can also expect ourselves to get through life without that like that's sort of yeah. what surprises me sometimes yeah I mean I remember a few years ago saying to a friend you know Nick had gone into to rehab again and I just said I don't know I just I still feel like my feet are on the ground this time because yeah. I was swaying in the breeze, but I had solid feet. Like I felt sort of unflappable, like nothing. Yeah. Even although it was full on, I had worked to find that place inside myself yeah. that could get the kids up to school the next day, even if yeah. it might be through tear-stained, <laughs> you know, yeah. eyes. Um, but also because I, I feel like this is the thing, you know, one of the biggest barriers to people like even you saying I didn't tell anyone that I signed up to ready for change 
And, um, you know, we just go and kind of hide away and do these things that feel really indulgent for ourselves. Yes. But at the end of the day, any time we spend money, energy, our own attention being on us, it's not just us who benefit. And that's why I said ripple effect because you said yes to this, but look at how you showed up for your daughter. Like, Three or four years ago, you might have had to call an ambulance if you were oh, totally. been able to drive. Totally. And she had totally. a mum who was there, who mm. was counselling herself because of mm. you know the things that <laughs> you've taught yourself through this and yeah. was like this solid presence for her when everything mm. in her life fell out of control. Mm. And, I mean, what a gift. And then... You're showing up on social media, you're creating a business around helping other women find that place in themselves too and move past one of the biggest barriers that so many people have to a stable and healthy and, you know, self-love-fueled life. And that is this tricky relationship with alcohol that literally so many people have. Yes. The ripple effect of you in this world, Emma Gilmore, Mm -hmm. is amazing. Like. Mm, Even just sharing that story was making me cry. Like, so I think there's lots of people who are probably pretty glad that you face down all those stories and Mm. have committed to, in the moment when you said, no, not anymore for me, the corporate life, like really in that moment when it feels like I don't even know what I'm going to, (laughs) I feel like like there's nothing underneath me, I don't even know who I am anymore. Look, what can happen when we sometimes just totally take a really big leap? Yeah. Yeah. Because no more of that, even though I don't know what's coming. No, no. And it's a lovely feeling, isn't it, that feeling that, Actually, whatever happens, it's going to be okay. You know? Yep. And it, it, that's, I know how confronting that is for people to hear because they'd yeah. be like, well, it's not okay that your daughter no. is having suicidal thoughts. Or they say yeah. to me, well, it's not okay that Nick died. And it's like, mm. well, yeah, not great things happen. Yeah. But we can find the okay amongst yeah. it. Like, I'm still sure. okay. And, and that's huge, especially with alcohol, you know, like that's because a lot of people drink because they're trying to cope with their feelings, what's going on around them. And a lot of what we do, what I do when I'm working with people with alcohol is about helping them to learn how to have the big emotions, learn how to feel the big feelings and still be okay. You are so important. You're doing very important things because, (laughs) yeah, especially right now amongst the world. I mean, I've got got lots of tools in my toolbox, Emma, but I'm feeling overwhelmed by all of the things sort of just... And um, thinking a lot about the thought patterns and habits that were created during those two years of lockdown, you're in Melbourne too. And um, and it, like, even knowing what I know, sometimes it's hard to shift 
well, you know, if habits were easy to change, everyone would just change, but you actually have to really work at it and you have to have the energy for it. And, um, and I think people right now are just feeling like, what's the point when bad things just keep happening? If we can find that, like that center of ourselves Mm. amongst the storm, then we know what's true in a moment and that can sometimes yeah. be the thing that makes the difference. Totally. And I, I do think it's like base level mm. <laughs> is where we should be focused on in terms of our health and our habits yeah. and our connecting with people because yeah. it's a lot. And for and I think we're witnessing our children having all sorts of responses. Yeah. You know, I mean, I went to the to the doctor earlier this week just because I feel like total crud and um and he's like you know it's just it's a virus I'm like yeah I know and I just for some reason needed someone to tell me because I really feel rotten and um he said well look to tell you the truth I mean you had COVID back in January and we still don't really fully understand a lot of how you know if then you catch something else how a body has recovered or not recovered fully from having COVID in their system. And, and he goes, there's so much we don't know. Um, And I think about, it was literally just a few months ago, Emma, that we were all allowed back out again (laughs) and our children. Yeah. And then we had a summer that we were like, this is good. This is good. What is this? <laughs> this is good, but weird, but weird. And I don't really know how to do this anymore. But now it's like, okay, thanks. I'm so grateful we had that summer. Now it's back to school, work, you know, whatever people did. And it's literally just actually a matter of weeks that we've been asking ourselves and our children to just be like, this is how we do it now. And but have your have your rats twice a week. Yeah. So let's just have a little bit of anxiety twice a week about whether we're going to come back negative. And then, <laughs> but anyway, netball after school, and yeah. we've got karate tomorrow. I'll get your uniforms out on the line. Like we are expecting a lot from ourselves at the moment, yeah, we are. aren't we? Yeah, we are. And this would yeah, be traditionally a time. I would imagine when things are feeling heated like this, that um, the women that you work with would be would be using booze, yeah, as that yeah. coping mechanism, as that just self medicate. Oh, I just definitely. need to, I just need to chill out. I just need definitely. to. So, can I ask you? Just this is the last thing because I just could keep talking to you all day. But the biggest story. The biggest story that you see getting in the way of women who you work with mm-hmm. when it comes to getting into that space where they feel ready to experiment with their relationship with alcohol, not even go sober or anything like that, because I know you're not, that's not the holy grail. It's like, yeah, yeah. let's just yeah. get curious to what's going on here. What would be yeah. the biggest story do you think that, that they tell themselves about why maybe no? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, the one I'm hearing so much from everybody at the moment, and this is so typical of our, you know, peer group, I guess, is, is I need wine in order to stop the constant to-do list in my head. Wow. I need wine to give myself an excuse 
to sit down. I need wine so that I can put up with stuff that I wouldn't put up with if I wasn't drinking. And that I would say those are my the three, three things, big ones. And you can imagine, I mean, that, uh, uh, that totally seems reasonable to me, mm. but also breaks my heart. Mm, it's so, 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 it breaks my heart too. Um, yeah, it keeps it keeps us trapped. I think it we've does. got this beautiful one precious life. Life, yeah, you know, and um, so much to do with yeah. like awesome energy and vibrations and yeah, just frightened to have the hard conversations and to say it's too much yes yes like instead of putting the focus on I feel so bad about this relationship with alcohol that I have it's like no hang on put a question mark over the life yeah what is what's happening yes it's not your fault like it's not your (laughs) fault that you've ended up needing this but like focus the attention on on what could change to create a life that actually feels amazing to live and you don't need to self-medicate. Yeah, from totally. Oh, Emma. So tell everyone where they can go and find you. We'll put your details in the show notes too, but I'm sure that people are now going to be interested to mm. follow along on your journey and hear more about how you help people because I just know, I know that there's people who would never say out loud that this is a problem for them, but yeah. they know in themselves. So if they want to just go and start getting curious, where should they go? Yeah, I'm at, and I always say this like an old lady, www. (laughs) Oh, Emma. I just love that. Dot. (laughs) I mean, hope, hope rising coaching.com. Hope rising (laughs) coaching.com. I mean, do you even own a business if you don't start a sentence with www. Emma, does anyone actually do that these days? No one does. Lose it. You could just say hope is right, hope rising. Hope rising coaching.com is where everyone can. makes fun of me and I'm owning it. Doing it. <laughs> it's now on your signature. Every time I see you, I'm gonna think there's www.emma. <laughs> hey, so thank modern. you for sharing with me today I know you shared some things that were hard to share as well um but I also do love that sense of vulnerability that you lean into as as a leader in this space so that other women will feel safe um amongst you as well it's a real gift that you have and I truly just cheer you on all the way in in the work that you're doing in this world and um humbled that my little course came along at a time where you needed you were ready you you needed something it was just the it was just a, a catalyst for you you were already there you took the learnings and you went and did something really quite remarkable so the fact that you've come into my orbit is a gift to me so thank you and thank you so much because it's been a life-changing experience meeting you I appreciate it 
Oh, I think we're going to have some fun over the years, Emma Gilmore. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go and blow this really snotty nose um, that also started to really peak in snot when you were telling your story. So <laughs> thanks for that. I'm sure it's been a joy to listen to my voice <laughs> like this, but thank you. And um, and everyone should go and, and follow www hoperisingcoaching.com, um, also on Instagram and um, Facebook. So we'll pop all the links in the show notes. Thanks, Emma. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, if you want to learn exactly how to start moving through the stories that are keeping you stuck and you want to delve into these self-defeating thinking patterns that so many of us have, then I've got a free workshop that you can go and watch right now. In it, I I highlight some of the main stories that I see women telling themselves that often lead women into a spiral of self-sabotage. You also learn how to let yourself off the hook a little bit more because when you understand how your brain is actually working to create this, then you feel a lot breezier about your life. Trust me. In this workshop, you'll also start moving towards the things that you want by the end. I absolutely promise you'll have a new perspective on your next step forward. And that can be in any area of your life where you feel stuck. I can't wait for you to go and check it out. It's totally free. The link is in the show notes. Enjoy. Hey, if you're enjoying the conversation, then it would mean the world to me if you head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. It really makes a difference and it's my intention to get as many of us involved in real conversations that really change the game as possible. Thanks so much for your help and I'll see you in the next episode. 